I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name's Zach and I play Adam on the podcast. And with me as always is Tony Kerr, who plays Tony Kerr. Well, they can't find anyone better, can they? Yeah, they've tried. They have tried. I've spent a lot of time trying to find someone better. Waste of time. How's it going this week, Tane? Well. Yeah? What have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? It's a couple of weeks since we last recorded. Intermittent at the moment, isn't it? Well, I've just been away and stuff. We've all been away. Where have you been? London. London? That London. What's that like? Uh, big. Yeah? Full of people. Bigger than Guernsey? Bigger. Can you believe it? Uh, no, it's good. So, yeah, I just went, uh, yeah, did all the london things, bought some clothes, ate, drank, just roamed around on public transport. Yeah. You roamed around on public transport? I, I, actually, walking, I walked from uh, somewhere to somewhere, which took me past Buckingham Palace. Buckingham <laughs> uh, Buckingham Palace. All right, Gov, is that Buckingham Palace? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excuse, excuse me, Governor, is that Buckingham Palace? Buckingham. But I just what it made me wonder was, Adam, uh, and, you know, this isn't necessarily a new, you know, somewhere like that, not necessarily a new thing because everyone has had cameras for many, many years. But, you know, so many people are taking so many photos that it just made me wonder how many photos did I peer in as I walked, you know, the kind of 300 yards, uh, 200 yards past the front of Buckingham Palace. Uh, I just wondered how many kind of holiday snaps I've gone home in, like as I've walked behind just people. people shouting at you. <laughs> out of the way, mate, I'm trying to take a picture of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> exactly. No, that freaks me out, actually. I, do, I think it's about weird. that quite it's a lot. Like, I, was, I was in Denmark recently, as you know. Yeah, just outside the Viking Museum in Roskilde. I, was, I came out and there were just loads of people taking pictures. I mean, I think they'd heard that the World Cricket Show's Adam Bayfield they'd was in town. They'd seen the stickers <laughs> on the Little Mermaid thing. And they were, they, it was basically the paparazzi. But no, they, I just sort of walked out and was greeted by all these people taking pictures of the boats outside and I'm just going to be in those pictures and you know maybe some of those pictures might end up on people's mantelpieces they might end up on people's desktop backgrounds and there'll just be this kind of gawky idiot <laughs> in the background wearing you know a World Cricket Show t-shirt and a pair of Crocs well, I'm not I mean, sure that anyone wants that it's just a weird thought that how many how many people have got you know photos with me in exactly but I mean you can take solace in the fact that no they won't ever look at those photos again because <laughs> they've taken too many already uh, and it's actually just a, just a colossal waste of time I thought you meant because the, the ones that I'm in they'll be like, like no discard that <laughs> it is a weird thought though I think I spoke about this at the time but when I was in another, another place another country that I visited is China <laughs> right, okay. and uh, when I went Going to right travel you <laughs> this was a couple of years ago now but when I went to the Great Wall of China there was me and a friend and the Chinese tourists that come to the Great Wall like many of them seemingly have never encountered Westerners in the flesh before. And they literally, they just want to have their picture taken with you, like you're a celebrity. And a queue was forming 
of people just wanting to have their pictures taken. They were ignoring the wall. They weren't interested in the wall. They just wanted pictures with me and my friend. And yeah, presumably some people in like rural China do have pictures of them grinning next to <laughs> yeah. next to us. And that's that's quite a weird thought. Well, I, I've been somewhere a bit less exotic last weekend. Uh, I went to Jersey Town, the other island. I've heard of that. People who listen all the time, of course, know that we record and live in Guernsey, one of the Channel Islands. The other Channel Island, the bigger Channel Island, is Jersey. And uh, I just went there for a little little weekend. Yeah, interesting. I haven't been there for a really long time. I think I think that the last time I was actually there, certainly the last time I was in St Helia, the capital, they had a big clock up in the main square, counting down to the millennium. So it's quite Presumably a while. That wasn't still there. That wasn't still there. <laughs> no, it was just they just they reset started, it. They it was started, yeah, exactly. Counting down to the next millennium. So it's been quite a while, to be honest. Uh, and I've got to say, it was actually quite nice, Jersey. It was much nicer than I'd been led to believe. I mean, we're kind of brainwashed from a very young age, I feel, to think that Jersey is just inferior in every way to Guernsey. And mm. um, while that is still true, it's not as true. It's not inferior by as big a margin as perhaps I thought. They've got some quite nice beaches there, too. Real eye-opener, yeah. It was a bit of an eye-opener, yeah. People say that travel broadens the mind, and I think I've definitely... I can definitely <laughs> vouch for that after this weekend. <laughs> well, I went recently went across to Jersey to watch the Marathi. Now, is, what's the Marathi, Tony? Right, Marathi is the, uh, the annual fixture or well technically Alden is included as well but they're not very good let's not go so let's into not get that. to the technicalities of it, but basically <laughs> it's the annual football match between Guernsey and Jersey alternates between the two islands uh Guernsey have won the last few uh, rich vein of form but it is it's quite funny because Guernsey football fans take it much more serious you know, they're, they're much more passionate really than Jersey football fans better probably than just because yeah, Guernsey's better in every exactly. way but uh you know it is quite village uh in a sense so you know I walked up from the boat to the the ground with about 40 other Guernsey fans uh, and as soon as you know as soon as I hit the high street it's the, all the chants all the old chants you know and the, the, the kind of respective capitals St Peterport in Guernsey and St Helia in Jersey kind of walking up the high street and St Helia singing uh, St Peterport is wonderful I won't actually do the song uh, and, and the I don't know how that one the goes the implication being as well that St Helia is full of <laughs> Uh, it's great so you know that's the kind of that's the attitude really it's like it, yeah just everything's worse in Jersey yeah well how's it going I say it so yeah. it's wonderful so Peter Port is wonderful so yeah St. Helia is full of shit. it's like St. Helia St. Helia is full of it's full of St. Helia is full of it's full of shit and more St. Helier is full of You're shit. giving me so much editing to do this week. <laughs> Beep that one. <laughs> Good luck with that. Well, I mean, that, this is one of the things, and you, you'll, you'll have probably experienced this last weekend, is that, you know, Guernsey guys uh, and gals are like, you know, they're good, they're good people, they're fun, uh, you know, they're, they're nice. They just want to have a good time. Uh, you know, they're intelligent, witty, uh, you know, debonair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas Jersey, you know, I remember going to watch one of the one of the Marathis as a kid, probably being about six or seven, sitting on the sideline with my mate, kind of cross-legged, just watching the match. Ball comes across, uh, friend catches it, and uh, it's just about to go and give it back to him as the Jersey player like steams in, uh, steams across to get the ball. And he's like, "Oh, you little, <laughs> give me that ball back." <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" And that was my first taste of anyone from Jersey. Just love the image of you there. 
you know, kind of <laughs> big eyes <laughs> yeah. holding the ball out. Here you go, Mr. Football player. Have your ball back. Innocence shattered in that yeah, moment. Yeah, in a moment. You know, where, that's probably where it all started. You've never been the same. <laughs> that's where my childhood disappeared. That's <laughs> where it all went wrong. Uh, well, anyway, there's been a lot of swearing in this uh, opening section of the podcast today, uh, which isn't, you know, it's not normal for us. I imagine, you know, people spitting out whatever they're eating, <laughs> ladies fainting. Oh, my. Uh, uh, <laughs> so let's let's try and uh, keep the swearing to a minimum tone okay. in the remainder of the podcast. So uh, what's coming up on the f***ing show today? What the f*** is coming <laughs> up on the f***ing show today? Well, I'll tell you, there's been uh, a one-day series going on, a pretty compelling one-day series going on between England and Sri Lanka. That's come to an end now, so we'll be talking about that. Also, England have announced their squad for the first test uh, against Sri Lanka, which starts a week today as we're recording this. And also, South Africa have named their new test match captain. So there's loads for us to get our teeth into tonight. Tone, are you ready? Ready. Can you do it without swearing? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> England. This is the part of the show where we talk about England. Now, as I just told you, assuming you were listening, uh, the one-day series between England and Sri Lanka came to an end at Edgebaston on Tuesday. And after five seesaw matches, it was Sri Lanka who emerged with a 3-2 series victory. England won the first game, uh, but were then demolished for just 99 in the second before turning the tables and blowing away Sri Lanka for just 67 in Game 3. Uh, the fourth match was a lot closer, uh, with an extraordinary blistering 100 from Joss Butler, dragging England up towards Sri Lanka's total of 300. But in the end, they fell just short of that, so it was 2-all. Everything set up for a thrilling denouement in Birmingham, uh, and Sri Lanka ultimately got home in their run chase with six wickets in hand. Uh, to claim a series victory. So, Tane, this was a, this was quite a good series, wasn't it? it was, the momentum swung one way, swung the other, swung back again. Uh, I guess a bit disappointing as an England fan that they didn't finish the job, given that they were two one up. How disappointed were you? <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I disappointed. Enjoyed, enjoyed it. It was a good contest. You know, there wasn't huge amounts riding on it really. I guess it, you know, it was interesting from the perspective uh, of, of of a New England, but actually. You know, it was always really, we've always been looking forward to the test series more than anything to see, you know, who's going to be in that. Well, I guess we'll be talking about that in a minute. This is why having the one day series before the test series is so much better. It's just so much better because, you know, the one day series after the tests, it's like, well, the main event's done and this is just, you know, it's interesting in its own right, but very forgettable. But with this, you know, it's, it's interesting in its own right and you feel like it's building into something bigger it's leading into the test series we're seeing the form of the england players the sri lanka players leading into the main event it just seems to make so much more sense certainly for this first series of the summer when the weather always causes problems for test matches in may you know, there's nothing to say that it won't cause problems for test matches in june but i suppose you're giving yourself a bit of a better chance the later you leave it as well so i hope that they continue to have it this way round going forward but yeah i guess a little bit disappointing from england before the series i weren't expecting I weren't. <laughs> Before the series, I weren't expecting them to win. Uh, but once they got into that position of being 2-1 up with two to play, you know, I thought they were going to do it. Their top order was a, a big problem. The, the, the top order let them down on a number of occasions. 
this has been an, an ongoing theme for the England one-day team for quite a while, that they are just lacking some firepower at the top of the order. And when Trot was at number three, just, you know, relentlessly accumulating runs, and when Cook was in the kind of form where he was relentlessly accumulating runs, it didn't necessarily matter. But we've seen England's top three, Joe Root as well, struggling to get going and using up a lot of balls to score not enough runs, not a sort of match-defining number of runs. This is probably the most disappointing aspect of it is that England went in with this approach. Uh, and A, why did they go in with it in the first place? England as a country has played enough one-day cricket to know and been beaten by enough teams who play a different way to know that you can't just you know, nerdle the ball around and it's at kind of a strike rate of 60 uh, for most of the game and expect to win more matches than you lose. It almost won them the Champions Trophy, to be fair, doing it that way. And they got a lot of criticism for it, for their approach in that tournament. But they got to the final and they probably should have won that game against India. So they could justifiably say, well, we've had success with this in the past. England's one-day team, until the last year, has been pretty successful over the past two, three, four years. But when Cook is out of form and with Trot not in the team anymore, players in that top five using up that number of balls to not then score 100, 120, 130. That just isn't good enough. It is leaving too much for Just Butler and Chris Jordan and others to do later on. And they got away with it a couple of times, but ultimately it, it probably was their undoing. And I, I think Joe Root is a real problem. I'm not convinced about him as a one-day player at all. I can see why they want him in the team. A, because he's young and therefore they're keen on him. B, because you know he's a real team player, got a great team ethic, great work ethic. And he can bowl very useful overs as well. But I just don't know that he's he bats at the right tempo for this. It's maybe okay to have one guy like that. I don't know that they can have this many. And the the, the real concern is Cook's form because he did score a half century in that fifth game, but it was his first half century for around a year. And I just don't think England can go into the World Cup with Cook and Bell as their opening partnership, with Joe Root in there as well and expect to win that tournament. At this point, Bell is the one of those three that I'd want, and Cook is the captain, and that that is a, a real issue that England have to tackle. Yeah, I mean, at least Bell got a few more runs in the <coughs> series at a decent rate. Uh, I mean, what, Cook, 98 in four games at 63 strike rate, you know, it's just, it's not, you know, it's just not good enough. It isn't enough, and it's not like that's, you know, it's a dip in form, is it? It's a... And that is Alistair Cook. Well, it, 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 that's I mean, slightly, Alistair Cook. Yeah. He, he's had a prolonged dip in form in all formats. But it, to be fair to him, he was you know, a genuinely excellent one-day cricketer from the time when he took over as captain in 2011 until the Champions Trophy last year. So if he can get his form back, you know, it just seems like he's not in form at all. Um, he's scored runs in the county championship, but he hasn't batted very uh, confidently, but very attractively in doing that. He does seem to be out of form still, it's been about a year now, so it's becoming a, a real concern. But if he does get his form back in Test cricket, I think he could get his form back in one-day cricket. But at this moment in time, it is a problem for England because if they're going to insist on having Cook as the captain and at the top of the order, then you can't really afford to have Bell and Root as well. They need to think about bringing in other players. It seems bizarre. It, it, it's not You wouldn't expect to see it in any other country, I think, to have Alex Hales you know, still uncapped in 50-over cricket when he's so consistently excellent in 2020. He was the number one rated batsman in the world in 2020 cricket. So for him to not even be tried, I can see that. I can see the logic of, well, he is best in 2020. The ball moves around more. 
um, in 50 over cricket. It is a different kind of game, but give him a go at least. If he's that successful in T20, he at least deserves a go. And when, and when the, the problem is that they're not scoring quickly enough at the top of the order, there does seem to be a solution right there in the squad, actually, for this. Yeah. No, he, I mean, he's, he, he should be playing. Simple as that. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, and we'll, we'll come on to the, the, the test selection. I don't know. There the, the does seem to be a bit of an issue with the selection policy at the moment. Well, I don't know why. It doesn't seem that difficult. The selectors are selecting, uh, and then they're getting like no one in the wild is actually kind of backing them up on it, really. I mean, who, who agrees with the selectors? <laughs> what journalist, apart from Agnew? Well, he's like a puppet of the yeah, selectors. Yeah, Agnew does, Pringle does at the Telegraph. Yeah. You know, there's a few. I'm not sure that the selectors are doing a uniformly terrible job. We'll leave aside the KP thing for a moment. Most of the rest of the squads, you know, does seem to be fairly sensible to me. But there are one or two pretty glaring areas for improvement in the team. And for them to not even try Alex Hales as yet, it is strange that he hasn't been given a go. There was controversy in that final game at Edgebaston Town. Was there? I don't know if you saw this. Uh, when Joss Butler was run out uh, by Senanayaka while backing up. This is known as man-cadding uh, after a West Indian bowler by the name of Mancad, uh, who ran out an Australian in this fashion in, I think, 1947 or something like that. It hasn't happened in international cricket since 1992, uh, but it happened in this game. Butler was at the non-striker's end, was backing up, as it's called, sort of uh, walking out of his crease to sort of start moving towards a run before the bowler had actually bowled it. He was warned... Uh, at least once, there's conflicting reports about this, but at least once by Senanayake. He did it again and Senanayake just stopped, took the bails off. Sri Lanka upheld their appeal and he was dismissed. Now, there was a lot of anger in the stands about this, a lot of boos ringing around Edgebuster, and there was quite a bit of anger in the commentary box as well. Uh, well, it's split opinion, I think. Atherton saw no problem with it. Vaughan is absolutely fuming. <laughs> uh, what was your take on what happened? Do you think... Senanayake was well within his rights to do that or do you think yeah, well, Butler is right to be angry Cook was furious I mean they were chirping away all match weren't they after that and, and the, you know in the fifth in the final innings as well it, I mean it is it's a fairly tricky one for me I don't see a problem with it although I'm not sure the rules are quite right I don't know you can't have a batsman a batsman can't be allowed to just de- depart their crease and still, you know, turn ones into twos or just get singles where there aren't singles because that, that you know, just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's it? cheating, isn't it? The, if, the, yeah. if the bowler has no recourse to stop them yeah, doing that. The bowler has yeah. to be able to stop them. I wonder why the umpire just can't call one short. That's a very good idea, Tony, yeah. And it, it's something that people have been talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the most obvious, that's the most obvious implementation of a rule that I can think of. Yeah, just because take it out of the bowler's hands. Yeah. If the batsman is uh, backing up, he's out his crease when the bowler... Bowls it and they run a single. The umpire just says one short, like he would if yeah, like the, he, batsman, if the batsman didn't touch. Didn't touch. Yeah, and it's different at the other second. end. I know you know people say, oh well, you know if the bat, you know the batsman dances out of a crease at the striker's end, then he can be stumped. Well, yeah, but I, isn't the ball technically dead if it hasn't been delivered yet? Well, so I guess I mean? so again, that's kind of it's like it's outside the normal parameters of you know. Of course, it can be stumped because when the ball's delivered, it's it's in it's live, you know, it's yeah. live. But if it hasn't come out the bowler's hand. Yeah, yeah, I should be really writing the rules. Well, that's what I'm well, I agree with you there. But then, but the rules as they stand are that the bowler 
is permitted to do this. So it's not, it's not a question of rules that people are upset about. It's it's spirit of the game is what they're talking about. Yeah, I don't think the England team or the current England team have got much of a foot to stand on, have they? Well, that's absolutely right. And if so, Stuart Broad last summer, you know, didn't walk for that ludicrous edge uh, in the the first Ashes Test. The Australians talked a lot about spirit of the game, and England said, "Well, you know, this is we're well within our rights to do this." And I supported them on that. Um, it's it's up to the umpires to make those kind of decisions, and the Australians do the same thing, and every team does the same thing. But you can't then do that, and then at the same time moan about spirit of the game uh, when something like this happens. I, I can understand why Butler was very upset about it. I can understand why Cook was upset well, about it in the heat of the moment. It is one of those things where uh, you know England fans are angry about it, and Sri Lanka fans say, "Well, you know, it's, it's perfectly fine. We're within our rights to do that." But if you flip the script and it was an England bowler doing it to a Sri Lankan batsman. Sri Lankan fans would be angry about yeah. it. England fans would say, oh, it's absolutely fine. That's just how it is. I think, objectively, you, in the end, you've got to say that Butler can't have too many complaints. If Sinanaika had done it without warning him, then, yeah, that, that's, that's not on, I think. But he did warn him. And what's the point in warning somebody if you don't then follow through on it? Like, I can see why Butler was upset in the sense that he wasn't actually trying to steal a single. It, like, if Sinanaika had followed through on his action and just bowled, Butler would have been probably four or five inches out of his ground when he did that. So he wasn't like yards down the pitch or anything. So it was more that he was being careless rather than devious. But even so, you've just got to stay in your crease. It is it it is as simple as that. It, yeah. Ultimately, it is unfair if you don't. Well, yeah, yeah, I can see why Butler is annoyed because it's, it must be an extremely annoying way to get out. You know, he'd be furious with himself. Well, for sure, but then people get out through carelessness well, exactly. all the time in I other mean, it's, ways. It's, it's one just of those things happens. that it's like it kind of only happens at like primary school when you're learning to play cricket. People like try and be clever and annoying. Uh, yeah, I used to so do that all that's, the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like really annoying. That, that, um, Gordon McRae was famous for that as well. I think that was. The only thing he enjoyed about playing cricket. But people used to do it like almost like every other ball. They'd be like, they'd go into action, they'd go like ah, back. Yeah, ah, ah. it's so. I mean, it's massively irritating. Uh, so yeah, I mean, to get out on the international stage like that, you know, would would wind you up. I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it is. It's difficult for Cook to be angry about this and to accuse Sri Lanka of not playing within the, the spirit of the game, and then at the same time support Stuart Broad in not walking, support Joe Root, who in this match didn't walk when he edged it behind. And that's fine in my view, but you can't then complain about this and, and use the expression spirit of the game. But I think your idea about uh, calling it one short is a really good one. And to a large extent, I think that is the perfect s- solution, except that it's another thing for the standing umpire to have to look at. They're already looking at the front foot noble and then they've got to look up for everything else. Do they really want to be looking at whether the yeah. batsman's in as well? I, I I'd argue that, they've got too much on their plate well, already. Yeah, true. But I mean, I, I guess in the way, in the same way that the bowler at the moment has to warn, or you know, is is kind of morally obliged to warn the batsman. Uh, you know, the bowler could say, the umpire, uh, this guy's stealing a yard or two every time I come in. Here. Can you keep an eye on it for the time being? You know, he doesn't have to watch it from. One. Yeah, that's that. That's maybe a good idea. Only, or they if, the, could... only if the bowl is conscious of it, because I mean, you know, my, it doesn't really matter most of the time, does it? It's a, I guess it's only really in you know run chase situations that sort of thing. Yeah, in a, in a test match, in the sort of uh, middle of the afternoon session of day three of a test match, it's unlikely to be too much of a problem. It's in sort of uh, key moments of uh, limited overs games where it's more of an issue. 
Um, but maybe they could just bring in an umpire, like you know the uh, really pointless <laughs> officials in football that watch the the goal line. You know, maybe they could just bring in bring in an extra official to stand one at either end. Yeah, I think so uh, for the for the non-striker. I think that'd be great. Well, uh, yeah, you know, you know, a tennis match. You know, there's like an umpire and how many line judges? You know, there's only two umpires trying to look over a whole cricket. Yeah, I mean, which is it's not enough. I, I don't think. The standing umpire should have to look at the front foot noble. I think that's that's mental to me. I always I'm incredibly impressed when an umpire does call a noble and the ball is just fractured. Yeah, over. I don't understand it. It's amazing. Uh, moving on a little bit, uh, England have announced today their ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Squad for the first test against Schmanker. Uh, which starts I've seen this. a week today. Starts next Thursday. <laughs> Do you want me to read you the squad? Yeah, why not? Uh, Alistair Cook is the captain, and they've uh, but then they've called up for the first time Moen Ali, Chris Jordan, and Sam Robson. Uh, there are recalls also for Matt Pryor and Liam Plunkett, and the remainder of the squad is made up of James Anderson, Gary Balance, Ian Bell, Stuart Broad, Joe Root, and Chris Wokes. So that's the squad. What, what do you make of it, Tone? How close is it to the the team that you want to see. It's not a million miles off. Chris Chris Jordan was a lock, wasn't he? Uh, he, he does look a very exciting player. Uh, Moen Ali as well. Yeah, wanted to see him. Sam Robson would have, you know, definitely would have taken Butler as the keeper uh, and not Pryor. Quite a lot of pressure on Pryor, I think, now to, to perform. Had Pryor been fit since the start of the county championship season, then I would have said without a moment's hesitation, I want Pryor back. Because, yes, he was dreadful for that, those eight tests against Australia, but he was so good before that that I think he deserves another chance. But it is strange. They've left Ben Stokes out of this squad, and they've said it's because you know he's, he's not proved his fitness yet. He's only just come back for Durham after injury. But Pryor's the same, and Stuart Broad's the same as well. They literally said Ben Stokes has not got enough overs in him yet. He's bowled more overs this season than Stuart Broad, but Broad's straight back in. I'm not quite sure what the logic is there. And personally, I think Pryor probably does need to prove his fitness a bit more. But I guess their thinking is, well, if we bring Butler in and he does even moderately well, it's going to be basically impossible to drop him and bring Pryor back. So if we don't bring Pryor back now, that might be it. But that logic doesn't make any sense, though, because if Butler comes in and does moderately well, then he'll have done well. Yes, but obviously if Butler comes in and does fantastically well, then... Fine, brilliant, problem solved. But if he does, if he comes in and gets forty-five, or if he gets you know one half century and one sixteen or something, do you drop him after that? You're saying in 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 with an 
Eye on the India series. Yeah, exactly. With an eye on the India series, with an eye on the Ashes next year. If he has a couple of half-decent test matches, it'll be quite difficult to leave him out, just on the basis of fairness. Well, that's what they do, though, isn't it, the English selectors? I mean, that's... You know, like, well, Compton, yeah. uh, you know, did moderately well. Was knifed. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a violent image, but, yeah, yeah I, I suppose. But... Fair enough. Yeah, I, I take your point. You know, I... But I think that's their thinking, though, that if, if we don't bring Pryor back now, maybe we won't get a chance to. Um, we, yeah, otherwise, yeah. they would have left, left, let him have more uh, recovery time. And we said after the debacle in the debacle down under that... Uh, the day Newman was a debacle as well. Just day, day, day. It's light and day. Night and day? Nick Knight and Day. <laughs> uh, sorry, just thinking. It's just it's free association, this podcast. Yeah, it's now, fun, isn't it? it? Uh, you know, we said, oh, you know, probably best not to have a complete clear out. So, uh, you know, on one side of me thinks, oh, yeah, good to... Me it. thinks. Uh, no, one side of, one side of me <laughs> thinks. We said, on one side, me thinks, have now, prior back. On one side of me, one side of me thinks that... Uh, <laughs> That, yeah, you know, let's have Pryor back, you know, retain a few of the old boys. You know, they did us really well. Uh, but equally, what they appear to have done is try to get as many of the team that performed absolutely awfully uh, last year in at half fitness. Well, what, Pryor? Pryor, Broad. Broad. Well, Broad actually did pretty well over the yeah, Oh, yeah, OK. So really, you're just talking about Pryor. I'm mainly talking about Pryor. <laughs> but I'm also slightly talking about Broad. But I, then again, we don't we kind of have a whole new team. Cause it's, it'd be well, ludicrous. exactly. And I... I want Pryor back. I guess the one thing you would say is that out of everyone, out of all the positions in the team, the one that there seems to be a guy who could come in <laughs> yeah. is is the wicketkeeper slot. And you'd say, well, there is someone now who we could look to for the future. Don't get rid of Peterson because perhaps we don't have the middle order options in the same way. You know, we're going to struggle to replace Swan, although that you know that was, that was obviously his decision. In the wicketkeeper slot, yeah, just Butler does look like someone who could come in and, and take over. But I think they want Pryor because he was the vice-captain before all this. They, they want him for his seniority, for his experience. And they also want him because, frankly, if he is back to his best, then he's the best wicketkeeper batsman in the world. So he's obviously going to be better than debutante Joss Butler. So that is what they want. And you know they'll be desperately hoping that, that he can do that. But obviously there's a lot remains to be seen given the the terrible time that he had last year and the fact that he's, you know, he's played a very small amount of cricket since injuring himself at the beginning of April. I guess that's the most, uh, the most controversial selection. Otherwise, it's not an entirely unsensible squad. Robson and Ali, obviously, new faces, but they seem to be uh, you know, pretty logical call-ups at this point. Obviously, Chris Jordan is an extremely logical call-up given how well he performed in that one-day series and over the winter. Gary Balance keeps his place after making his debut in Sydney. He's scoring stacks of runs for Yorkshire, so that makes sense as well. And I never thought I'd say this time, but I'm delighted to see the name Liam Plunkett in an England squad. He hasn't played a Test match for seven years. Uh, not remembered altogether fondly by England fans, I would say. He was such a frustrating player when he came into the side uh, eight or nine years ago because he clearly had a lot of potential, but he just wasn't ready. Uh, and he didn't really do very much at all except just bowl a lot of very expensive overs. I don't think that was his fault. I, I think he, he wasn't ready, and the, and the fault therefore lies more with the management than it does with him. The biggest problem for Plunkett is that you say Plunkett, you hear Mahmood. <laughs> exactly. And actually, at times, Plunkett showed uh, <laughs> glimmers of being quite a good 
international cricketer uh, in a way that Sash Mahmood didn't, but they're just so inextricably intertwined with one another that, you know, Plunkett is a bit of a joke. Uh, but you know what? In, in the last couple of seasons, it does seem like something's finally clicked for him. He's 29 now, very much in his prime, taking bags of wickets for Yorkshire, taking a lot this season, bowling very quickly, possibly the quickest bowler in the country right now. So I'm I'm quite excited actually by his by his return to the squad. He could let me down in a big way. Oh, yeah. I've been let down by Plunkett before, <laughs> but uh, but I'm hoping not. It's easy to you know with a name like Plunkett and a, and a history like he's got, it is easy to just kind of be quite down uh, about it. But you know a lot of people are very happy about the selection, uh, and you know he's been there before. He knows what it's all about. He will be back better. So yeah, I think I think it could be a, could be a, a masterstroke. Yeah, and you know we talked a lot in the winter about you know the lack of out and out pace um, in England's attack, and without Stephen Finn, you know at times they were playing sort of Tim Bresnan half fit bowling around eighty miles an hour, Chris Tremlett not even half fit bowling around eighty miles an hour. You know t- to have Chris Jordan and and Liam Plunkett who are both going to be bowling up around ninety miles an hour, that should be exciting. Whether or not it's successful remains to be seen, but it will be exciting at the very least. That's important. If I've got a, a complaint about the squad it's it's the absence of a, a frontline spinner and we i talked about this when we when we named our uh, teams a few weeks ago the teams that we would have selected for this test match you know you didn't have a frontline spinner in your squad and i um uh, gave you a lot of grief about that actually once we turned the microphones off just on the drive home uh, i was just berating you uh, well, you know, for about half an hour. Uh, actually, I'm probably closer to the selectors than you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you, you just said not 20 minutes ago <laughs> that the selectors are a bunch of clowns. They don't know what they're doing. No, well, the thing is, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. So, <laughs> well, you'll get no argument okay. from me. So, that's there. why I'm worried. Uh, but yeah, there's no frontline spinner in this squad. They want Mo and Ali and Joe Root to get through the spinners overs and you could certainly make an argument that they are going to be at least as effective as a duo as someone like Scott Borthwick would be at test match level and I think if you made that argument you'd probably win that argument but are they seriously expecting Moen Ali and Joe Root to be England's spin option in the long term because if so that is quite worrying I think you know if Sri Lanka are 280 for two if more to the point India or Australia are 280 for two. A lot is going to be asked of England spinner and not having a proper one is a big problem. I mean, if they don't want to go back to Monty Panazar and they, they obviously don't, and I can see why they don't want to, then I, I would have turned to someone like Ollie Rayner or even Gareth Batty. Okay, they're probably not quite test class, but at least they actually bowl spin for a living, uh, which Mo and Ali and Joe Root don't quite. And, you know, I would back one of those guys to pose more questions than Root or Ali will. Obviously, they're thinking, well, at this stage of the season, it's mostly going to be about uh, swing, seam, pace. The spin is just going to be sort of tying up an end. But I would like them to be starting to put their long-term plans in place. And, you know, I, I just don't like the idea of going into a test match without a frontline spinner. I, I, it's not something I think they'll get away with for very long. If the right guy's not there now, though, you know, then, yeah, I, I, I take your point. They won't get away for it very long, but they may as well get try and get away with it while they can until someone puts their hand up properly. Yeah, I guess that's 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 very much how I live my life uh, <laughs> with a lot of things. Just you know, my lifestyle, uh, just all the choices I've made up until now. I won't get away with it for very long, but but while I can get away with it, yeah, may as well get away may as well it. make the most of it. Yeah, exactly. Around the world. 
This is the part of the show where we talk about things that are happening around the world, and it's all happening in the Southern Hemisphere tone because uh, South Africa... <laughs> it sounded like a DJ then. <laughs> Shout out to my boys in the Southern Hemisphere! Uh, because South Africa have named their new test captain. Go on. Uh, well, I'll go on if you like, Tone. Uh, you'll remember, of course, that after the recent test series against Australia, Graham Smith stood down from the post, leaving a vacancy at the helm of South African cricket, such as has not been seen uh, for more than 10 years. Smith captain for more than a decade. So big shoes to fill, quite literally. Uh, and after a, a long period of deliberation, about three months, cricket South Africa this week named Hashim Amla as Smith's replacement. What do you make of that decision, Tony? A, a good appointment, Amla. They obviously overlooked A.B. de Villiers. He's the, the captain in ODI cricket. He was the favourite to get this job. They overlooked Faf du Plessis, the T20 captain. A little bit left field that they've they've gone for Amla, but do you think that's a, a good move? Yeah, well, you... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. They're the quality bunch to choose from, you know, unlike other countries at the times <laughs> that I won't name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they were in a, in a fortunate position. You know, what can go wrong, really, with Amla in charge? I mean, they can start losing and Amla's form can, can <laughs> yeah. disappear. But that's, that's the two things that can you know, go wrong. Not, it's not a massive risk, I don't think. Yeah, Amla, you know, strikes you. Does strike one as a sort of as, as captain material. He's, you know, very measured. Yeah, he spends a lot of time in the middle. He, you know, he knows cricket. He's just on the field all the time, isn't he? So I guess it gives him a good yeah. sense of what's going on in the game. Just bats so much uh, that he, you know, he's probably on the field about ninety percent of any given time. Yeah, exactly. So you know, Graham Smith wasn't a bad captain. So you know, he'll he'll have taken a lot of cues from him. And and as you say, David is is there among others. So yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see what kind of captain he is and how he, how he handles it. Yeah, and as you say, he he seems like captaincy material. It was probably only left field because Amla had previously given up the one-day captaincy and basically said that he didn't want to be South African captain, so people weren't expecting it. But, you know, he obviously went to Cricket South Africa and said, you know what, actually, I, I'm up for it now. And he does seem, as you say, captaincy material. You know, he's got that kind of quiet authority about him. I can imagine he commands a huge amount of respect. I would certainly listen when Hashim Amla um, said something. And he does seem like a lovely, lovely man as well. And without wishing to go down the Giles Clark talking about Alistair Cook route, Alistair Cook and his family, and he does seem like <laughs> a very nice man and the sort of man that you want to be captain. We've seen in his batting that he's you know, incredibly calm under pressure. And if you can translate that to, uh, to his armband duties as well, then, then that's going to be a big positive. He's also absolutely guaranteed a place in the team. So that, that helps. De Villiers is as well. But then I guess it would have been quite a lot to ask De Villiers to keep wicket, to bat in the middle order and to be captain. So maybe they're thinking rather than changing the wicketkeeper, let's just go down a different route. I mean, they don't ask De Villiers to do that in the one-day side. So, you know, I think they, they couldn't have asked him to do it in the test side, really. I guess it's probably also, at this juncture, quite appealing to appoint a non-white captain of the South African team. Amler is the first non-white man to captain South Africa. Maybe there's a bit of logic in that way as well. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the only reason. It's obviously not the only reason why they've appointed him, but I think that would have probably been in the minds of, of some people making that decision. Clearly, he is a very well, strong clean, candidate yeah, in his own right. Because, yeah, he's, 
the outstanding player. Well, for all those reasons that we've yeah. said, he's, he's, he is an incredibly strong candidate. They've gone down this route for cricketing reasons. And, you know, from a cricketing standpoint, it seems like a good decision. However, there are possibly a couple of drawbacks to it. You know, the first, as we say, they don't want to risk overloading De Villiers, but, you know, they could just as easily overload Amler, I suppose. We've seen Cook's form completely take a nosedive since he became captain. If the same thing happens to Amla, that's going to be a problem for South Africa. And the other thing is, you know, is there a possibility of creating factions in the dressing room? You, you get the feeling that De Villiers was perhaps expecting to get this job. We've seen in South African cricket teams before cliques starting to emerge. The hope will be that Amla is someone who can unify any of that because clearly everyone likes him. But they, they've now got a situation where they have split captaincy. They have a different captain in all three formats and that's never worked for England. And, you know, it's quite a difficult thing to make <laughs> work, I think. You know, people coming into the test team from the one-day team, you know, they're used to de Villiers being the leader. Could that be a problem, maybe? Only time will tell, I guess. It's the, the only answer, isn't it, to that? <laughs> That's not, it's a bit of a cop-out. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's a massive cop-out. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look forward to seeing what he gets up to, I think. What he gets up to? <laughs> <laughs> the cancer world. I don't know. It's kind of straight You kind of feel the like... The adventures of Hashim Amla. <laughs> you kind of, I kind of feel like, you know, the best player should always at least at some point get a tilt at the captaincy in a sense well so on, on that logic well certainly yeah. there's a debate about whether Amla or de Villiers is the best yeah. player a couple of years ago i would have said definitely Amla. even one year ago i said definitely Amla. but in the last year de Villiers is you know caught up to him i guess they're about on the same level for me yeah i mean de Villiers has done some ridiculous stuff in the last but he's always been pretty good hasn't he but He's done some cray stuff. Some cray <laughs> he has cray. done some cray cray stuff, man. Uh, so yeah, two thumbs up from Tony. That was that was not an audio. You know that was not no. that was not a good thing to do on an audio program. <laughs> Just give thumbs up. What do you think, Tony? Thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> Much like the end of the most recent episode of Game of Thrones, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been literally the most traumatising thing that I've ever experienced, and as such, I'm more than ready to bring it to an end. Do you want to talk for 10 or 15 minutes about Game of Thrones, Tone? Or? Yeah, I mean, that would really make my night. <laughs> uh, you know, if you make a change as well, which is nice to see. You picked up uh, me and my friend, my friend, you're also your friend, our friend Ollie, uh, the other night from work on our way to football. And me and Ollie just discussed Game of Thrones pretty much the entire time. And you yeah, were basically I mean, just chauffeuring guys, us there. You guys are kind of like, you're, you rely on, you know, to live, you rely on this, <laughs> you know, on being a part of something. You're like, which I don't need you've to be drunk sure. the Kool-Aid. You've yeah. drunk the Game of Thrones Kool-Aid, by which you mean we've watched the show and enjoyed it, and you've not watched the you, show yet. Um, nor will I, probably, at this rate, because I, I can't deal with the cloying about it constant <laughs> just don't like anything that's popular no it is very good that's my review no, sure of game of thrones good. I'm sure it is it's very, very good, good. Yeah. it's a shame because i feel like i can't you know wheel out my repertoire of impressions on this show because you won't know who I'm game of thrones about. mind tricks don't work in here babe. <laughs> that's, that's not the same thing is it? that's from uh, that's from star wars oh, okay thanks yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know nothing john snow no, I've, I've, i haven't seen much recently winter is coming with O2. Do you watch, I mean, do you watch any kind of British programmes? No. No. No, no, I'm not interested, no, mate. No, it's just export, yeah, import your culture You're such else. a little Englander, too. I'm not interested unless it was made in Britain. Well, that's just, you're not interested unless it wasn't made in Britain. <laughs> <laughs>
I did find myself watching uh, MTV Cribs the other day just because it was that or Broadchurch, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what? I'm only Sod that. <laughs> yeah. Just before we wrap up, uh, I just wanted to apologise, not to you, to the listeners, uh, that we've uh, that we've been taking so many weeks off recently. We do seem to have had uh, quite a few breaks. I mean, I feel I owe them an apology, even though we literally don't get paid for this. So, you know, ultimately, do we owe them anything? We don't owe them, we don't owe them nothing, Tone. Don't owe anyone anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, sorry that we've been a bit a bit slack. Just things going on. But it's all right because the uh, the Football World Cup starts next week, so that won't get in the way at all. No. Uh, and then there's Wimbledon after that, so you know th- th- there's no problems looming on the horizon. <laughs> when? What are we going to do about the World Cup, Tone? Because we do anything. We're going to have to find nights to record, you know, <sighs> where there's just not very interesting games happening. What are we going to do about anything? <laughs> I, I actually don't know. It's a good two and a bit weeks of two matches a day. Isn't the thing it? is, it's great this time time zone wise for Europe because we well, yeah, the, the first game of the day starts at five I mean I finish work at 5 30 but I can <laughs> I can cope with that uh get home and, and then you know you don't have to miss very much football at all whereas you know previous world cups it's on during working hours which is great except that that's literally all I'm going to be doing <laughs> outside of work for the next month is watching football which you know possibly my girlfriend isn't too happy about you know, possibly isn't great for all the other things I need to do in my life. Possibly means I'm not going to be able to, you know, eat because I won't have time to go to the supermarket. So all pales and into insignificance. There's, there's quite, it's perhaps not the the brilliant thing that I thought it was when I first saw those time zones. Yeah, well, no, you'd be fine. You'll get through it. I stocked up on a lot of cans of beans and uh, <laughs> a lot of cereal in the cupboard oh, as well. Wild, you can't eat cereal in the in the World Cup. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, well, yeah, let's wrap this up, shall we? Uh, but just before we go, uh, let me tell the listeners about all the ways that they can get more in touch with us. More in touch? More in touch than they already are, just by listening to us. <laughs> Considerably more in touch. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. Follow us on Twitter at cricket show. You can follow Tony at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V double R. You can follow me at Adam Bayfield one two. You can follow me on Instagram if wow. you like. Yes, it's Adam Bayfield is my Instagram handle. Actually, yes, it's Adam Bayfield. Yes, it's Adam Bayfield. Wordy. Are you following me on Instagram? I don't think I am. I don't want to see any photos of your kind of food. (laughs) That's the sort of thing you'd post, I think. (laughs) Things I've cooked. Uh, I haven't posted any food photos. Are you following me on Instagram? I'm following you on Instagram. Uh, Let's just have a look at you. Let's see if I can find you. Yes, it's Adam Bayfield. Adam Bayfield. I'm following you. Let's see what you're posting. A bit about Jersey. Jersey. Jersey, Jersey, <laughs> Jer- Guernsey, Guernsey, beach, beach, beach. <laughs> That's all, all your photos are all about the beach. You can tell what I like. Seven posts, and it's all the beach. Seven posts, every single one is a beach. No, it's a good start, mate. <laughs> it's a decent first effort. I mean, some of your horizon lines are a bit... Wonky, but yeah. uh, I mean, okay. Yeah, wait, I'll give you a few, ch- a few tips later. All right, there you yeah, go. it's nice though. Yeah, Enjoy. Yeah, oh, f- you, <laughs> mate. Mate, we'll catch up on that later. Yeah, lesson number two next week. <laughs> right, well, <laughs> follow me on Instagram. Yes, it's Adam Bayfield. Uh, send us an email, worldcreatureshow at gmail dot com. We'll actually write back. Imagine the thrill. We will actually write back to you. Uh, and if you've got a spare. 
20 seconds this week write a review for us on itunes because uh, that does help us out it helps us in the rankings itunes use things like reviews you know in their in their rankings their ranking system so uh yeah we do appreciate those but that's it i think let's go tone let's go thanks for coming let's go outside summer's coming tone you ready for summer it's here it's gonna be hot tomorrow 24 degrees in guernsey tomorrow <sighs> but humid potential thunderstorms can live with that but I've started listening to my summer tunes I've got the summer tunes on and as I'm walking to work listening to a bit of Dario G <laughs> right <laughs> I think that's appropriate so to end it there <laughs> no I didn't end A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.